TVP's announcements. This is a series that we have on our network where we give you announcements about upcoming projects and platforms that are entering the crypto ecosystem. Now, this is a disclaimer because we do that now. So, here's the thing. This is the presentation of a platform, and that's it. This is an investment advice. Don't take it as investment advice. If you like the platform, seek it out in the show notes. Go there, buy the things, invest in the platform. Help them out with your skill sets. But we're not giving you any recommendations or advice. This is just for you to listen to and soak up some new information about a new platform in this ecosystem. So, please enjoy. Hey everybody, it's your second host of the Bitcoin Podcast, D, uh, with another announcement. Uh, presenting another company um, in the crypto space, and today I am joined by Grant Blisdell, co-founder at CoinFirm. So, with I'll, I will let him do the pleasure of introducing himself. And and Grant, we always like to to know a little bit about your personal background and your professional background, and then obviously we all like to know the answer to the question is. How did you hear about crypto, and uh, how did you fall down that that vortex of interest that is crypto? Cool. Well, first off, thanks for the initial intro, and 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 thanks for having me. Um, as you stated, I am one of the co-founders of CoinFirm. Um, I'm also a chief marketing officer for CoinFirm as well. But as a CoinFirm, you know, you get to fill in lots of different roles and kind of be a a Swiss Army knife where um, where necessary. My background um, originally is I come out of the California startup ecosystem originally, uh, focused more on new media. Uh, CoinFirm's DNA and and majority of the founding team or a good percentage of the founding team, such as our our CEO, come out of the AML and financial regulatory system. Our CEO, for example, was uh, global head of anti money laundering at financial institutions like Royal Bank of Scotland. Uh, but we also have this kind of unique and dynamic balance where, for lack of a better term, we understand both sides of the coin. Um, as other groups of founders uh, come out of the crypto and blockchain tech space, so it creates this kind of unique dynamic where we're able to integrate these these two worlds together. Um, but back to my background, um, I was creating a lot of uh, projects and, and kind of uh, new distribution models um, and monetization models for digital content. Um, I had already, I'd already been, you know, a fan of Bitcoin. Had known about it since probably around, I don't know, 
2012 or something, just off being kind of in the tech and innovation uh, scene. And of course, I, I, you know, I liked a lot of the values it, it proposed, but, but really my experience with, uh, you know, finding a way to use this technology to solve one of the core issues uh, that I was sol trying to solve, um, which is kind of transparency, trust when it comes to digital content and content creators. That's when what, what you called earlier kind of my aha moment was, um, where I was like, okay, since I, I just filled this hole, I can now take a look at the world as a whole and, and see systems across the board where that, that suffer from, you know, not the exact same sort of issue, but similarities and characteristics and, and be able to solve, uh, you know, problems on a really really big scale using this technology so so that's originally how i got into like really being serious about the tech entering into the you know let's say the ecosystem or the industry and starting to create um you know solutions and products because my personal you know my personal thing is is i'm not into crypto you know for the speculation or for kind of the short-term uh financial engagement i'm more to you know provide and build valuable solutions and services and, and, you know, some sort of positive impact, um, using this technology and using cryptocurrencies. Yeah, so could you, I mean, it sounds like you were ripe in the scene at the, uh, as soon as uh, Bitcoin and crypto started taking off. So you are familiar with that. So what was the specific problem that coin firm right now is working to, to solve and could you kind of outline uh, some of that for our listeners uh, and how you guys try, are, are trying to, to be the best at solving it? Sure. Uh, thanks for that. Um, yeah, well, when, when we started, when we began CoinFirm, we, um, we wanted to solve a few things that were already happening in the ecosystem and a few things that we saw on the horizon. Um, so far, everything has gone pretty much according to our vision. But, you know, one of the largest roadblocks defined, you know, even in studies towards further uh, cryptocurrency or, or blockchain adoption um, is, is focused around the regulatory and the compliance aspect. And, you know, especially this past year, that has blown up uh, in the space to be a thing of huge importance. And everyone's talking about it. Thing is, is uh, not a lot of people are talking about it in a solution-based system. It's either kind of like, yeah, this is needed, or it's an extremely kind of aggressive against it towards type of push. Um, our thing has been about solving that roadblock and, and, and de facto building the bridge uh, between the crypto and blockchain ecosystems and the mass market and the traditional market. So when, when, and also change compliance overall, because you got to understand that, that companies or entities either in the crypto space or in, in the traditional space, um, have to follow these procedures and, and these, um, and these requirements, but yet compliance overall, uh, until, you know, what we're kind of doing generally is extremely ineffective, ineffective, extremely inefficient. Uh, extremely time-consuming and costly. So you're talking about, you know, these crypto companies. Um, these crypto companies are spending 50, 60% of their time and labor on these sort of things because it's such an ineffective solution-based system. Well, what we did is we said, okay, let's let's first off build that bridge and change the realities of how how this whole this whole thing looks. 
So first off, our uh, our platform, we do this mainly through our AML CTF platform. Uh, it's what we're pretty well globally recognized for. Uh, clients and partners uh, around this platform range from anywhere on one side, like, you know, crypto heavyweights like Dash, who's our client and partner, or RSK, who is Rootstock, RSK, who's our, our partner. Actually, we just announced it recently. So we're providing, you know, an, an AML layer through our platform into their federation, all the way on the other end of the scale towards working directly with uh, financial institutions in multiple jurisdictions to implement our platform as the AML CTF layer so that they can start accepting and servicing crypto companies, entities, cryptocurrencies themselves. Because now you have a situation in the ICO space, it's really you know interesting to look at this, where these guys go out and they raise X amount of funds. Maybe they do a KYC check, but they don't do any sort of AML or, or source of funds checks on it. And then they're stuck with these funds. We literally have clients who called us months after their ICO and said, yo, help us because we can't do anything with these funds. The banks are not going to take any of these funds because we can't prove to them source of funds and then potential risk related towards these funds that we're bringing in. So we created a, uh, a platform that's blockchain agnostic once again. So right now we're serving Bitcoin, Dash, and Ethereum, and therefore smart contracts and tokens. Um, we also, you know, get day to crawl web, deep web tours, etc. We also part of this next, you know, uh, era of the financial system or financial entities um, to where our partners and clients are feeding data uh, into our system, into our database, whether that's a traditional business intelligence company like BizNode, who's our partner, or a crypto exchange. Um, like a real use case we had with the crypto exchange was uh, a user came on uh, to the exchange during the KYC process, used a fake ID, which, you know, is a fraudulent action. Exchange caught that. Our API reported it into our system, and now that's reflected appropriately uh, in our platform. Um, so we're looking at the big picture in this. What we wanted to create was, like I said, that bridge and what I kind of call the white market. You know, we're not here to force any decisions on anyone, uh, you know, to block anything or anyone. Um, you know, personally, I think, you know, having a, a kind of offset market where people are able to do their own private thing without being extremely no wash is, is, is fine. But someone needs to create, you know, the lane for the entities who want to operate in the transparent and, you know, proper commercial world. And no one really solved that properly, especially for AML. So that's why we came in with our platform and and we've been very successful with it. It sounds like you're, you're trying to, like you said, build that bridge. You know, give there 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 are entities that want to get involved with cryptocurrency, but they they don't want to do it in such a you know wild wild west kind of fashion. They want to put some structure around it and some you know well compliance to the to the process. Well, of well here's the thing: it's it's not just it's not just. Um... You know, it's not just a regulatory type of force. I mean, it's forced through through regulations, you know, on these entities. They have to do this. Like, let's say they want to touch crypto. They want to do everything with crypto. Well, listen, they have to follow these certain procedures. Otherwise, they're putting themselves at risk, their partners at risk, their clients at risk, their investors at risk, etc. So, you know, the crypto uh, ecosystem, you know, kind of that, that core, you know, aspect that's, that tends to be a little bit more aggressive against things like this. You, you know, they kind of need to get that aspect and also understand the, the aspect of when it comes to, you know, legitimate, mature crypto companies and the crypto ecosystem. 
that that this ability needs to be built at least. Um, and thanks for what you said because you know actually we've been you know extremely successful in bringing cryptocurrencies into major companies or financial institutions. And here's the thing. You know, these major companies or financial institutions, whatever it is, using crypto doesn't have to be in the pure cryptocurrency transaction sense. You know, we have another uh, platform. Maybe we can save this for another discussion another time. We have another platform and solution that's being used currently by a couple major financial institutions. It's using a public blockchain and a well-known cryptocurrency, but it's not using it for transfer transactional value. It's using it for more kind of back-end systematic aspects. Um, data provenance, etc. So you know, you got to play this smart. I think the crypto ecosystem in, in in the early days they were so excited and they kind of had their ideals behind it that when they walked into you know people who are about business and have you know their responsibilities, they don't really care too much about those ideals. They care more about what's your what's your value proposition. So we've mm -hmm. spent a lot of our own money and worked really hard to you know we do monthly events on blockchain where we literally bring you know entire ecosystems together to to you know bring cryptocurrency to the masses but do so to where the masses or these entities can can accept it hmm. that's it, i think it's uh, the testament to your foresight and then uh, seeing you know what what's needed in the space is definitely uh, you know common common grounds between um, i guess you call them the early adopters and the innovators and to what it's actually like to play with uh, the early majority so Appreciate it. What about what about metric wise? Are there numerics like? Because so you said that you know currently companies in the blockchain space are going to have to spend you know astronomical amounts of time dealing with compliance, or and not just time. Well, no, time is really the most expensive thing. They're spending a lot of time on compliance. So what about metrics that make your platform kind of reduce that time? Do you have anything? Well. Um, well, I can explain it more just in kind of even a user functionality sense or user experience sense. So generally what best you get nowadays is when it comes to kind of compliance solutions, especially AML. You know, we talked a little bit earlier why, why AML is kind of a, its own specific unique beast compared to something like KYC. It's a little bit more complicated and it's a bigger issue in the ecosystem. I mean, even when you see China reacting and doing this kind of, re it's mainly reacting against AML. It's, it's reacting against capital flight and those type of aspects, not so much identity, right? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, generally best case in the ecosystem is, you know, they'll dump a bunch of data on you, then kind of give you a cool tool or something to analyze it to pull out those actionable conclusions, right? Well, that's where most people are spending that time and, and that labor and, and that effort is in that analysis. So what we did is, like I said earlier, you know, where, where we get data from our sources, of course, data blockchain, we structured in our database, actually but not far behind me is our it's one of the largest structured blockchain databases in the world. I'm sitting in our blockchain lab in, in Warsaw right now, which is the first blockchain lab actually in Central Europe. Um, and we push that through around 200 proprietary algorithms and risk flagging scenarios. So what comes out on the other end are those actionable data sets you need right away. And then through our API for commercial purposes, you can scale that up and automate the process. So what does that mean? We hit you with a behavioral profile. We do certain behavioral analysis. Is this person acting like an exchange? Are they acting like a crypto gambler? Are they tied to ransomware? Are they tied to a hacker address? What's their kind of behavioral profile? Then we have our C-score, which is our 0 to 99 risk rating. Obviously, higher the score, higher the risk. Um, and then we have our transaction recommendation. Yes, no, transact with caution, transact freely, et cetera. Uh, that's usually enough for people to make intelligent decision, 
but let's say something came up on the risk score. It's kind of near your risk preference, you know, your risk borders, let's say, of acceptance, then you can take a deeper dive down in, into the report and you can take a look at, you know, financial characteristics and behavioral characteristics, but most importantly, you can look at those flags. So I think we have over 150 of these risk indicating flags. So you can see, for example, okay, well, this guy, he wants to use these funds here. Well, he was on a drug market, right? We can catch that through through crawling, right? Or uh, he has certain behavioral characteristics, activities that make him uh, a mixer, right? If you know what mixers are, right? Which is, is a high risk operation, right? So um, we're really here to just hit you with the data that you need right away so that you can make an intelligent decision uh, as fast as possible and move about focusing on, you know, what your core business is, as opposed to like I told you, where, you know, these people are spending, you know, majority of the percentage of their time on this stuff. Well, let's get into the token. And yeah, yeah. What, what does it do? Is it security? Is it a utility? Let's get some of the, the hot words out of the way, and then let's talk about what it does, and let's talk about why you have decided to go with an ICO. Yeah, sure. Um, first off, uh, you know we're we're globally recognized as one of the leaders, obviously, when it comes to kind of the compliance space around this. Uh, for AMLT and and the token sale, we've in our estimation created the the highest kind of compliance standard for a token sale um so it is most definitely not a security it is uh created as an access token for our aml and ctf platform um so this token was actually created to kind of build a a next level uh feature that we had planned uh from the beginning uh for our aml ctf platform and the whole network and ecosystem it's created so we're not just creating a token and and throwing it out there to create some sort of new entity or or something like that we're taking you know a strong established platform with with partners and clients and a network and we're adding a token to provide a certain an access token to provide certain types of features and and benefits um off the top uh to help kind of streamline and provide you know more benefits to our our users and our clients uh when using the token on the platform you get privileged access to certain things and you get discounts for for our services and our reports so that's one thing but that's not kind of the big picture the exciting part of of what the token uh is doing uh what the token is mainly doing is is what i like to call it's it's um it's bringing more transparency and democratization to the financial system um you know, when even when people talk about things like financial inclusion or exclusion, whatever, the the compliance system uh, and the kind of the risk analysis system, especially around AML, et cetera, is is pretty centralized, run by a few central you know authorities who kind of dictate what the risk profile is of you know entities who are operating all around the world. And also because the system is so ineffective in a certain sense, it chooses to, let's say, discriminate against, you know, entire nations and almost regions, right? So there's a reason why X billion people don't have access to the global financial system. Part of it is because the compliance system is so ineffective that they just choose to do blanket exclusion as opposed to being able to determine the risk on uh, individual entities based off, you know, valid actions of those individual entities as opposed to just well i'm sitting here at this point in the world so therefore i'm high risk right mm -hmm. um so what we're doing with this with this token is 
we're creating this this network effect to where we're providing a voice and influence to actual market participants. This is the thing about you know all this is that you know the market participants themselves are not helping provide a voice or determine what is the risk profile of you know these other entities, even though they're the entities that are actually transacting with them would probably know best in a certain sense, right? Mm-hmm. So what would happen is is uh, are are what we call network members. So these are entities operating around crypto who hold X amount of AMLT uh, in their wallet um, and are you know using our services. Uh, let's say they have a partner who's uh, in a high risk region like this is kind of a cool use case in a high risk region in Africa, for example, or something like that. And because they're in Africa, they're automatically you know have a certain kind of risk rating in the compliance system. But let's say they've done business or they've transacted with X amount of entities, you know, for a few years. So these entities can then say to us, if they're network members, say, here, actually, these guys are really legit. Here's proper data. Here's proper documentation and evidence of us transacting with them legitimately over X amount of years. You know, here's um, and here's my risk rating. You know, my risk rating, you know, my legitimacy. Right. So they'll insert that into our system. We have, you know, a whole team of analytics type people and, and researchers to go through and make sure if that data is valid and can be proven or is, or is backable. And if it is, and we, we insert that data into the platform, then uh, they are rewarded in MLT. So we've, we've incentivized, you know, the global financial system to be transparent and honest about themselves and other players. Right. And of course, you know, in, in terms of this is you can't, you know, just be taking obviously malicious action or, or trying to provide us false info or, or else you, you know, might not be able to take part in the network in that, in that way anymore. Um, so, so back to the original point, you know, where it's not just another level of transparency, but it's kind of like this democratizing effect um, for the compliance system. So now that that entity in Africa, he'll have, you know, how we see this working on platform is having, you know, that our C score, but also having, you know, market influence type of rating, right? So based off that use case, their rating would actually be lowered in our system. We would lower our C-score for that entity, right? If, if mm-hmm. there was proper evidence to do that. But that can go the other way too. You know, that can go the other way if they provide the proper evidence, the data, you know, that we can increase a risk score. Just like I gave you that use case of that exchange with the guy who came on with the fake ID. Mm-hmm. So, so it seems to me what you guys are also aiming to do is maybe create an avenue for the – I've heard it since I got into crypto, and everybody has who's been in this long enough is the underbanked and the unbanked and the underserved. Maybe this can act as an as, as, as an avenue for them. To, yeah, to actually a little – little sneak peek because you brought up you know some of these kind of keywords or whatever i said you know uh financial inclusion exclusion you said the unbanked etc so you know in a couple weeks we're we're announcing our our partnership uh for example with with an entity like uh humanique which is focused on exactly that um and we also have you know a stealth project that we'll announce soon uh in africa that we've been building for a while and it has a lot of great partners already involved in it and one of the the goals of that is to you know to bring to bring you know the benefits of crypto and blockchain into that uh into that market but also you know work really 
hard on that kind of unbank financial inclusion exclusion thing so that a place like Nigeria for example which is a market of a I forget how much 150 180 million people massive massive market that's discriminated against you know when it comes to risk you know perspectives because because of the region and because of the characteristics of it and then there's you know thousands of individuals and commercial entities within that suffer for that right Mm-hmm. So we have a, listen. We have a big, big vision, a big picture, big goal, and big mission behind this, which is to truly, you know, bring crypto and blockchain into the masses in the global market, but do so in you know a, a safe and transparent way for those involved. Um, and although when we started, you know, I, I'm sure you could guess based off the timeline, a lot of people in the crypto space thought we were crazy a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I could see but, that. I can see that. But over this, over this, you know, past year and a half or two, um, you know, it's it's fallen in line. Pretty much how we've seen it, how how we saw it developing and going, it's it's fallen in that line. And and even a lot of people who were really aggressive towards us in the beginning are are now our clients. Interesting, you know, this is by far the most interesting industry I've ever seen or taken part in. It's extremely dynamic and beautiful. And it moves so incredibly fast. And, you know, we just want to be here to be ahead of the ball and provide, you know, that bridge, right? Because it's become such a big issue and no one's really, you know, we care about the crypto ecosystem. You know, we're not mm-hmm. financial guys who are who are coming in and, and we're like, okay, we're going to make this place force it into our realities, right? It's like, no, we want to provide a solution for crypto people, you know, for, for cryptocurrencies first and foremost. Well... It looks like you guys have, you know, a, a clear, you know, side on what problem you're trying to solve and a clear route on how to get there. And so just the one last question is, is what about um, actual participation in the ICO? Uh, what's the token called? You know, what what are some dates? Do you have any bonus yeah. structure? Let's get yeah, all that yeah. stuff uh, to the listeners. So they sure, know. sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. So the token's called AMLT. Um, you can find, you can find it at amlt.coinfirm.io, um, we're in pre-sale right now. We, we passed our, you know, uh, soft cap instantly in the pre-sale. I think we're at the end of tier one right now, which has a 30% bonus. Um, so for those who are interested in, you know, serious people interested in pre-sale, um, you can also join our Telegram community and, and get more info there, get it on the site, uh, register your email there, or you can, you know, just straight up email amltsales at coinfirm.io. Um, pre-sale ends December 8th. Uh, public token sale begins um, December 10th. And once again, you know, we've set up uh, our own entire compliance and KYC and AML procedure on it using our platform. Um, so, you know, we've, we've really looked to build the highest, the highest standard, um, that's ever existed when it comes to this, this token sale. Um, and everything's been going really great. You know, we have great response, uh, not just from, you know, the, the public kind of market, but, you know, our clients and, and what are, you know, our network members and who are going to be using this. So the cool thing is, is that, you know, majority of, of, uh, our pre-sale is actually, gone through people who are buying the AMLT to actually use it. So the moment the public token sale is done, 
You remember, this is one of the unique things about our token sales that, you know, the moment that the token sale is done, it's entering into, you know, a living and, and vibrant platform and ecosystem with users who are going to be using it right away. Um, so it's not one of those things of here, get, you know, buy this token and here's this big long-term 20-year roadmap of et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, concrete, concrete, concrete things. Here's the token sale. Here's how you use the token. Here's the benefits. And it starts pretty much right away. I know people are going to like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, but I hope so. Personally, I have a couple tokens where I'm on that 20-year plan, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'd love to use it, or at least, I don't know, do something with it. But oh, no, no, no comment on your, on your personal irresponsibilities or decisions. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, no comment. No, um, but listen, once again, I'm not, I'm not into the speculative phase. So, you know, for me personally, you know, about building this token or, or anything around crypto is about really just, just building and, and spreading the benefits of, of, of the technology and the capabilities and, and putting it in as many people's hands for their benefit as possible. It's very pragmatic. And um, that's a way. Of, that's an approach a lot of companies uh, and uh, development teams and people trying to solve problems should be looking at things. So, yeah. kudos. Appreciate to you. it. Well, um, thank you, man. Grant, thank you for for stopping by. Hey, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, well, guys, uh, you can look in the show notes to uh, get more information about CoinFirm, CoinFirm.io, um, and yeah. Um, once again, I guess have a good weekend. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later.